Haggai chapter 2. My, my, my. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 20. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 20. Also reading from the book of Zechariah and the fourth chapter. Haggai chapter 2 verse 20. And again the word of the Lord came unto Haggai in the four and twentieth day of the month. Saying, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah. Saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth. And I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. And I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. And I will overthrow the chariots. And those that ride in them and the horses and their riders shall come down. Everyone by the sword of his brother. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, saith the Lord, and will make thee as a signet. For I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 5. Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. With those seven, they are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro through the whole earth. I really feel compelled of God to preach this morning a message of victory to this congregation. I'm going to preach to you on this subject, chosen to rebuild God's temple. Chosen to rebuild God's temple. Lord, we praise your name. You are holy and high and lifted up. Your train fills the temple. The angels cry holy. We feel your presence. You're in this place. Saturate this place with your glory, God. Lord, I pray you will heal to the uttermost. Lord, I pray that you will deliver to the uttermost. Lord, I pray that you will save to the uttermost. Let your mighty power move in the lives of the people of God. In Jesus' name, let your salvation go forth. Save and heal and deliver, we pray. In the precious and the matchless name of Jesus, we ask for your anointing. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I felt this morning that the Lord wanted to tell somebody that he's able. And I started to feel that song in my spirit. I couldn't stop singing it. He's able. He's able. He's able. I felt like people were facing things that they didn't know how it was going to turn out, but that the Lord would want them to know he's able, he's able, he's able. The interesting thing is, is that I never communicated to the music department that that's what I was feeling in my spirit. But the Lord communicated to the music department. I'm glad to know today that my God is able. It's not accidental messaging. Somebody in this house needs to hear the word of the Lord that your God is able to do what you need him to do. Let me begin today by speaking concerning this interesting word that appears in the book of Haggai the prophet. <clears throat> this book of Haggai is a, 
You can call it Haggai or Haggai. It's both, both are actually correct pronunciations depending on, on uh, your perspective of it. But, but the book is one of the greatest books. I, I cherish the book of Haggai the prophet. It's two chapters long. In it contains the verses that actually confirmed to me that I was to move to Cincinnati, Ohio. And so it is a very special book to me. And I, I read it to you today, and, and we read the last few verses of Scripture. And Haggai makes mention of something so unique. He said to Zerubbabel, who was the, uh, who was the governor over Judah, and one of the perhaps unheralded characters of the Bible. Zerubbabel was greatly used of the Lord uh, to rebuild the temple of God. The temple of God was, the temple of Solomon was destroyed 70 years prior. And Zerubbabel stands up in the midst of Hebrew captivity and leads the charge to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And he was encouraged to do so by these prophets that I have read from. The prophet Haggai and the prophet Zechariah. Haggai in his writings makes mention of something so interesting. He said to Zerubbabel, listen, he said, you are chosen of God. He said, you need to understand something. God is telling you, I will shake the heavens. I will shake the earth. I will move every obstacle out of your way. I will overthrow the thrones of the kingdoms that try to stand in your way. I will do it. And then he said, you are the signet of the Lord. The Lord hath chosen you as a signet. And this is an interesting statement because of the significance of the signet. This signet is where we get our word signature. It has to do with identity. So when the Lord was telling him, I have chosen you as my signet, he was telling him, I have chosen you as my identity. You are walking in my full authority to do what I have called you to do. Now the signet shows up in the scriptures and, and represents identity, but, but, but even more important, you have to know what identity is. Identity represents the authority of the one whose identity is being presented. So the signet many times is referred to as a signet ring. That may be how you have heard it referred to, a signet ring. These are ancient references. Kings from, from many years ago, thousands of years ago, would use a seal that was in their ring. They would press the, the carved image of their ring into hot wax. And they would press that seal upon a document, a decree. In fact, there are many references in the scriptures to this. I'll get to those in a moment. When they would do this, when they would press that seal, it was the royal seal. You read about it in the scriptures, how that it was sealed with the king's ring. And that's what it means. It means that this comes with the authority of the king. This isn't just somebody's random notion or idea, but this is the actual authority of the king. And it was peculiar to the king. It was unique to the king. His signet ring was kept under safeguard so that nobody could have access to it except him. And many times when a king would pass away, they would destroy the signet ring so that nobody could revise history and say that he had sealed something that he didn't seal. They were careful not to allow this signet to become copied by a fraudulent character. And so we read about it, for instance, in the book of Esther when Haman, the power-hungry second-in-command to King Ahasuerus, came through the gates and was receiving all of the accolades and the worship and the obeisance of the people. But when he came to a man by the name of Mordecai, there was no obeisance rendered to him. There was no worshiping of Haman. The Jews were in captivity. 
And in captivity, they were often pressured into worshiping other gods, to worshiping political figures, worshiping heathen idols, and one after another, they would refuse and be persecuted. Not only were they pressured to worship someone other than God, but they were pressured not to worship God at all. In this case, Mordecai was being pressured not to worship, or rather to worship Haman. And Haman demanded obeisance. He demanded accolades and worship. And Mordecai reserved his worship to the Lord his God. Haman came to Ahasuerus and said to the king, we've got a problem with the Jews. There are so many of them and they don't follow our, follow our rules and regulations and they don't worship the gods that we would have them worship. They worship one God. And that's a problem for you, King Ahasuerus. He convinced the king to order an edict that the Jews be annihilated. This was a spirit of Antichrist alive and well even back then. Long before Adolf Hitler. Long before anti-Semitism. It was alive and well back then. And the king sealed the document with his ring. So that nobody could mistake that it was the king who had ordered the destruction of the Jews. But as you may know the account, and if you don't, I'll provide a, a, a concise synopsis. What King Ahasuerus didn't know, what Haman the hater didn't know, was that Esther the queen, the beloved of the king, was a Jewish lady. And when she went before the king and bowed before him and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, I pray you will hear my plea. And the king extended his scepter. Later, the book of Hebrews tells us that the scepter of righteousness is Jesus Christ. So when the king extended his scepter, that's exactly what the Lord did when he extended himself upon a cross. He made a way for all of us to enter into his throne room. And she walked to Ahasuerus and explained to him what Haman had plotted to do. And before it was all said and done, the king reversed the original seal and provided a new seal of authority. And this seal of authority, not only did it rescue the Jews, but it ordered that Haman be hung on the gallows he had prepared for the children of Israel. Let me tell you something. God will intervene if you'll trust in him. God will intervene if you will trust in him. You look at the story of Daniel. Again, a man in captivity. The Hebrew people were suffering in bondage. Remember, the temple had been destroyed and the Hebrews had been taken captive. Daniel was a man who was a man of prayer, dedicated to the Lord. And he had political adversaries who wanted to see him moved out of the picture. And they knew how they would do it. They would attack his walk with God. And so if you don't have a walk with God, then the devil doesn't have that to attack. But if you've got a walk with God, you better believe the devil's going to attack your walk with God. He, they said, we need, to, we need to get him on grounds because he's, he's, he's really a man of good character. And he actually has a pretty clean slate. So we've got to attack him in a way that you wouldn't think that they would attack him. And they said, we're going to say that everybody must pray only to the king Darius. And, and if they don't pray to the king Darius, then they will be, they will be taken and cast to the lions. And so they, they got the king to, to write the documents up. And establish it and seal it and say, this is how it goes. you got to pray to me and only to me. Again, an effort to rid the kingdom of the Jews. Daniel heard that decree and he decided that there's only one way to handle this. Go to your room, open the windows, point your face out the window so everybody can hear you in the street. And pray to the Lord God, the one God of Israel. And he prayed, not just in the morning. In case you didn't hear him then, he prayed in the noontime. And in case you didn't hear him then, he prayed in the evening hours. And in case you didn't hear him then, he prayed again the next morning. And in the next noontime. And the next, praise him. Praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noontime. 
Praise him when the sun goes down. They had him right where they wanted him. I don't think they got it on YouTube, but they were able to verify that Daniel was praying to somebody other than the king. And the Bible says that they came to the king and said, we got good news and bad news. The good news is we've begun to find people that have, that have turned their attention elsewhere other than to you. The bad news is you like the guy that got caught and you're probably not going to be happy about it. He said, well, who is it? He said, it's Daniel. And the king was disturbed. But, man, a rule is a rule, a law is a law, and this is the way it goes. And if he was praying to somebody other than me, he's got to be thrown into the lion's den. And so he took that, that Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. And into a den of hungry lions goes a man of prayer, a man of God. And he's, he's facing certain death. There is no way out of a situation like that alive. And the king sealed the seal with the royal seal. He sealed the stone with the royal seal. Nobody can tamper with this. Nobody can remove this from the mouth of the den. Daniel is down in that lion's den. The stone is sealed with the seal of the king. There is no hope for him. But let me tell you something, what you have to understand about God. God doesn't care what some heathen king does. To try to destroy the people of God. God will slip past whatever seal has been set in place. God will move past whatever barrier that the enemy has tried to put in front of him. If you're a man of prayer, if you're a woman of prayer, if you're a man of God, a woman of God, if you're an individual who has a heart that is desperate for God, regardless of where you've been or what you've done, if you will cry to him out of a fish's belly, Lord have mercy on me. God will move heaven and earth I said God will move heaven and earth to come down to where you are Darius went home that night after sealing the, the, the lion's den and the Bible says that his sleep went from him no music was brought to, to soothe him his sleep was taken from him and he was unable to rest and by the break of morning he ran in haste to the den of lions and he called to Daniel oh Daniel did your God do just what he said he would do did your God move on your behalf and Daniel shouted out to the king's utter surprise oh king live forever for the Lord hath sent his angel for the Lord hath sent his angel. I'm going to tell you something. Yes, they were in captivity, but the Lord will send his angel. Yes, they were in bondage, but the Lord will send his angel. Yes, hallelujah, they were in a strange land, but the Lord will send his angel. I'm preaching to somebody who's in a strange land right now. You feel like you're in the twilight zone, but you hear this preacher this morning. The Lord will send his angel. God didn't just, you know, the reason the children of Israel were in captivity was because of their sin, because of their idolatry. They were in captivity because of all of the things they had done against the Lord. But the Lord did not leave them there alone. He raised people up within that captivity. He raised people up who would pray until something happened. He raised people up who refused to bow to the cultural cadence that was so seductive and hypnotic to everybody else, even in the face of a fiery furnace. One of the men that he raised up was this man by the name of Zerubbabel. I know it's a funny sounding name, perhaps. Some people call him Zerubbabel. I call him Zerubbabel. I've learned that when you're reading these words out of the scripture and you come across a word you can't quite pronounce, just pronounce it anyway. Because nobody really knows for sure anyway. You don't have to stumble and bumble over it. Just get it out there. Hallelujah. Zerubbabel was chosen of God, handpicked by the Lord to rebuild the temple of Israel. Israel was in bondage. They were in captivity. They had been captured. Their temple had been destroyed. They had fallen into idolatry. 
They were worshiping false gods. They had turned their back on the one true living God of Israel. They were backslidden in their hearts. And in the, in the midst of that backslidden condition, in the midst of having turned their back on the Lord, the enemy came in unaware. And he tore down the central symbol and figure that, that, that really expressed the relationship that Israel had with God. This temple at one time, ladies and gentlemen, was the talk of the whole earth. The queen of the south came from the uttermost parts of the earth simply to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And whatever she heard, was compelling enough to bring her from the uttermost parts of the earth and bringing with her a caravan of spices and silver and gold. But when she arrived at the temple... She said, what I heard was something I couldn't even imagine. But I got to tell you, the half has not been told. The Bible said that there was no more breath left in her. The beauty of that temple took her breath away. And this wisdom of Solomon was on full display. God was exalted. God was glorified. God was lifted up in the earth. Wiser than all the men of the world Solomon was in building the temple of the Lord. Nobody could exceed or even equal the wisdom of Solomon. And this temple was a testimony to his wisdom and to the glory of God. And God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land and I will respond to them at this temple tell you something that temple was so heavily saturated by the presence and the power of God at one point the Bible says that the priests could not stand to minister in the temple because the cloud of God's glory was so powerful so potent so present they walked in and said we can't even do what we're supposed to do because God is in this building. Some of you remember a walk with God similar to that. Some of you remember a walk with God where you've been drunk in the Holy Ghost. Some of you remember a walk with God where you were slain in the Spirit. Some of you remember a walk with God where you had faith in the morning, faith in the evening. Some of you remember a walk with God when you had to praise Him. You just had to get a praise out. You you had a praise, you had a praise, and you had to get it out. You remember. I said, you remember what it was like to dance in the Holy Ghost. You remember teaching your family the word of God. You remember sharing the word of God with co-workers and friends. You recall a time, hallelujah, when you were close to him and that he was as close as the mention of his name. And you knew his voice and he knew your heart and you had relationship and you had communion. And I don't know when it was, you probably do. Something shifted something tantalized your eye something began to seduce you away from the beauty of God from the glory of his presence and you stopped going to the temple like you knew to go to the temple and you stopped craving his presence like you once had craved his presence. No longer was his word needed to be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You were lost and loving it. And you rebelled against God. And you began to question even his existence despite how still and small his voice was that spoke to you in the midnight hours. At certain times in your life, you began to even wonder 
wonder if he was real if he ever existed at all you were backslidden in your heart you fell away from God you drifted from his presence you searched after heathen gods you worshipped at the altar of false idols false doctrines began to begin to entertain your thoughts you became an individual that was happy to be like the other nations you didn't want to be set apart and peculiar as a holy nation of Israel any longer you wanted to worship many gods like the other nations worshipped you wanted to partake in sinful indulgences the way the world partakes in sinful indulgences I know I'm in the spirit of the Lord right now and I know that God is speaking to somebody's heart right now but I tell you what you didn't expect you did not expect for the enemy to come in like a flood when you were not watching at the wall, when you were not watching at the gate, when you were not careful in prayer, when you were not careful in fasting, when you were not daily worshiping him, when he was not daily your delight any longer. You didn't anticipate to the enemy of your soul, the same one that would tempt you and seduce you the same one that would try to engender lust inside your spirit and get you to fall away from the things you knew were right and true and holy. You never dreamed that 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 seemed so appealing would turn on a dime and would come at you with all the viciousness of a wicked vile beast and ravage your walk with God and ravage your spirit yeah you stopped going to the temple but you didn't really want the temple destroyed yeah you stopped praying but you didn't really want to be without God completely but that's not how the enemy works listen the thief comes for three things steal kill and destroy and you don't get to put a limit on what he's come to do the thief has come to steal to kill and to destroy that's exactly what he did to Israel he walked in while they were worshipping heathen gods walked in while they were worshipping false idols walked in while they were worshipping pagan pagan uh, uh, idols and, and the enemy came in like a flood and took down the temple of the Lord now Israel's in captivity bondage you did those things so you could be free, not so you could be in bondage. But you got to understand where freedom comes from. The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. See, see let, me, let me come back to, to, to what freedom really is. If you'll know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Don't look for freedom outside of Almighty God. Anything that tells you there's freedom outside of a walk with God is a liar. It's lying to you. It's lying to you. It's lying to you. It's trying to ensnare you and pull you into a chemical addiction. Ensnare you and pull you into a lustful addiction. Ensnare you and pull you into a bondage so deep and so sinister that you by yourself will never be able to break those chains. That's how the enemy comes in. And he destroys that temple that God built up in your life. He destroys that praise, that worship, that joy that you once had. And you spend years in captivity. I'm remembering the words of the song, Years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. Oh, in Jesus' name, somebody hear the word of the Lord this morning. Because I'm preaching to somebody who's wrapped up in chains. I'm preaching to somebody who's bound in captivity. There's an addiction that is whipping you like a taskmaster. And already you're thinking about when you can get your next fix. Already you're thinking about when is this preacher going to stop so I can get back out doing what I want to do. It's a, it's a beastly bondage and you are trapped in it and you need somebody to stand up in your life and say that the Lord has not forgotten you and the Lord is not finished with you and that the Lord still loves you
that if you turn to him, hallelujah, he will break every chain. I said he will break every chain. So here comes Zerubbabel. 70 years they've been in bondage. 70 years they've been without a temple. 70 years they've been pressured to worship these false gods, threatened with fiery furnaces, threatened with lion's dens. It's just the way of life. They're so far removed from their roots, so far removed from what God had originated in their home and in their heritage and in their family history. And now here they are 70 years removed. But God raised up a Zerubbabel. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that God is raising you up as a Zerubbabel God is raising you oh I know what the devil has told you about yourself I know he's told you that you're useless that you're worthless that you could never be what God had planned for you to be that it's all over that it'll never be again but I've come to rebuke the words of your adversary and tell you that God has not left you and God has not forsaken you Your mistakes did not cause God to give up on you. Zerubbabel, it's time to build. It's time to rebuild. Sometimes it's harder to rebuild than it is to build. All the sweat, the blood, and the tears that go into building. And then some kind of a adversarial wind or force comes through and knocks down what you built it's hard to muster up the energy to even rebuild what you've already built this is why you have to understand it is going to be the Lord who empowers you it is going to be the Lord who gives you strength and gives you a holy boldness to do what he has called you to do hey man you're not just a man and you're not just a male you're a man of God and God has called you to your family to rebuild the temple that the devil destroyed Hey, woman of God, you're not just a female. You're not just another lady in society. You are a daughter of Zion. You are a woman of virtue. There is power in your prayer. There is power in your praise. And God has called you to rebuild the temple of God in your family. Hey, young people, you're not just some teenagers in Cincinnati, Ohio. You're blessed and favored and anointed and appointed and chosen. 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 You don't think Zerubbabel had opposition? Zerubbabel had so much opposition. Everywhere he looked, people were saying, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's useless. Who do you think you are, Moses? Who do you think you are, Solomon? Ha! Do you have any idea how beautiful Solomon's temple was? Do you have any idea how splendid, how spectacular Solomon's temple was? You can't do it. You're worthless. You're useless. And you want to know why you believe some of what they say? Because you have learned to believe that hideous, ungodly devil that's been whispering in your ears all the days of your life. I know what I'm talking about. I've, listened, I've heard that voice all my life. You ought to try to start preaching at 10 years of age and see if you don't have encounters with the devil. He tried to kill me at young ages. He tried to cause me to backslide at young ages. He tried to throw me off of my faith in God at young ages. He tried to throw every curve in my path at young ages. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, I heard the voice of God, but I also heard the voice of my adversary. And I had to learn to tune him out and hear what the Lord would say. Whose report do you believe? I said, whose report do you believe? You know what Zerubbabel had that was of great importance? He had two prophets in his life, Haggai and Zechariah. These aren't just little books in the Bible, minor prophecies. No, these were prophets of God. 
who stood up and spoke directly to Zerubbabel, wrote whole books to Zerubbabel saying, do it, go for it, build that temple, build that, I don't care what the Samaritans say, build that temple. There was a 17 year stay once he laid the foundation to when he could finish it. There were 17 years of opposition from enemies and adversaries and the whole time Haggai and Zechariah were standing up in his corner saying, God is with you. God is for you. Don't give up. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Do it. Pray. Fast. Build. Worship. Seek God. Lead your family. Lead your family. Lead your marriage. Lead your marriage. Yeah, that's what Haggai was telling them. He said, you listen to me. They're going to laugh at you when you get this thing built. You're going to get it built and you're going you're to be grateful. But there are going to be some who look at it and say, what is this? You know, they laughed at that temple. They said, in fact, some even wept. That's when it's real bad. They started crying out of, self, out of pity for him. They said, this is nothing compared to Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple had all the cedar, all the ivory, all the marble. Solomon's temple had all the gold, all the silver, all the brass. Solomon's temple was, I, folks, I, I don't think I could teach a series long enough to adequately depict the glory and the splendor of Solomon's temple. Do you know on the inside of that thing there was no stone that could be seen? It, everything was covered in pure cedar and gold. It was phenomenal. And here's Zerubbabel trying to rebuild a temple. And the enemy come up and say, you'll never get it to where it was. You'll never have the splendor it could have been. You lost what you could have had. You lost what God originally gave you. Why are you wasting your time? But an old prophet named Haggai would walk up in the other ear and say, don't listen to him. Put that hammer to the nail. Work, pray, hallelujah. Build and rebuild, build and rebuild. Because the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. I'm just going to tell you, God wasn't nearly as impressed with the first temple as he was with the next temple. Oh, I know people were more impressed with the first temple. Oh, it's easy to, to come along and say that you've, that you've never done this and never done that and never done this and never done that. And everybody can ooh and ah and ooh and ah about how great you are and how perfect you've been. But you let somebody, you let somebody come up from the ruins of Satan himself. You let somebody feel the hand of God reach down into the muck and the mire. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If the father sees the prodigal son coming home, he's going to run to meet him halfway. I'm going to tell you something. I need you to hear what I'm saying. I thank God. I thank God for the shelter he's been for me. And I thank God for the refuge he's been for me. And I thank God for the things he has kept me from. And I'll always give him praise. Because I don't know if I'd be saved today if it weren't for that mercy and grace of God. But I will tell you, if you've sunk to the lowest of lows, and if you fall into the depths of despair, the angels of heaven are ready to rejoice over your return. Samaritans rose up you never do it you'll never be able to do it you lost your chance you missed out that building is destroyed that temple is destroyed with all the cedar and all the gold and all the silver and everything that could have been it's gone. But Zechariah would get in the other ear and say, Zerubbabel, this is the word of the Lord. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. Saith the Lord of hosts. You grab that headstone and you lift it high and shout grace, grace unto it. Now let me tell you who that headstone is. 
Jesus Christ. The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of a corner. You lift that chief cornerstone up high and you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and every demon that had you bound, you, you hold that cornerstone high and say grace, 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 grace. And every demon that held you in bondage that tells you you can never succeed, every devil in hell that told you you're worthless and you're useless and God could never use you, you don't even worry about them. You just keep Keep lifting Jesus higher. Grace, 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 grace. Hallelujah. Come on, let the critics sneer. Grace, 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 grace. Let the skeptics mock. Grace, grace, grace. Jesus, be lifted up. Jesus, be lifted higher. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Be lifted higher. This is why it is so important that you be in the house of God. Hearing the word of the Lord. You need to hear Haggai and Zechariah declaring the word of the Lord unto you. If you're hearing nothing but worldly voices... It is no wonder, ladies and gentlemen, that you are doubtful all the time. It is no wonder that you are depressed all the time. It is no wonder you believe you'll always be sick. It is no wonder you believe you'll be lost. It is no wonder you believe you are listening to ongoing lies of the adversary. You've got him on satellite radio. You've got him on AM. You've got him on FM. You've got him on on. on, on digital TV you've got him at the lunchroom you've got him at the breakfast table everywhere you go he's in your iPod your iPad and that's who you're listening to you better tune in to a prophetic word I'm going to tell you one of the ways I made it. One of the ways I made it. I'm not done yet because I haven't finished my course. So y'all pray for me. But one of the ways I'm making it is God put prophets in my life. We're so thankful. We're so thankful to have the Cobb family here today. We're praying for sweet baby Noelia in Jesus' name. This family is a great family from Calvary Tabernacle, Indianapolis. Sister Cobb, you probably remember my great-grandmother Lovinger. Sister Juanita Lovinger. A faithful saint of God and, and at Calvary Tabernacle for many years. You've heard me tell this story. I want to share it again. Because every time I saw her, she passed away when I was 14 years old. But every time without fail that I saw my great-grandmother loving her, my mother's grandmother, she would pull me in and she would say it this way. She'd say, God love him. God love him. And it didn't matter who was mad at me or what I'd done to get in trouble before I got there. Great grandma and God loved me. She'd say, God love him. And then she'd pull me back and look me in the eyes every single time I was with her. And she would say, many are called, but few are chosen. And you are chosen. I'm going to tell you something. When that ungodly devil from hell would come whisper in my ear and try to tell me that I was something other than chosen, I would fall back on that prophetic word and say, no, I'm chosen of God. God chose me. God chose me. God chose me. Hey, hey, if you don't want the prophecy to come to pass, just don't believe it. But if you want it to come to pass, believe it. Hey, there's a way, there is a way to keep prophecies from coming to pass in your life. If you don't want these prophecies to come to pass in your life, you just don't believe them. That goes for false prophecies too. 
If a false prophecy comes to me, I don't receive that. I don't believe that. I will only believe a prophetic word from the Lord. And I will believe that with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength and all my might. And it is not by might and it's not by power. It's by his spirit. And it doesn't matter what devil in hell or what force he brings. I will believe the word of the Lord. And his word is forever settled in heaven. I'm chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. Hallelujah. God put prophets in my life. One of the prophets he put in my life was my mother. The Lord told her to name me Joel. You know who I'm named after? I'm just a few books before Haggai. She named me Joel after the prophet Joel. The Lord told her to name me Joel. This is what she said to me. And she said it to me all my life. She still tells me this to this day. I named you Joel. Because the Lord told me, even as Joel prophesied about the last days, that you would prophesy in the last days. That's why your name is Joel. And every time a devil from hell would try to tell me that I can't do what God called me to do, I would fall back on that prophetic word. No, no, no. God said he's going to use me in the last days. God said he's going to use me and anoint me in the last days. I thank God for the Haggai's and the Zacharias in my life. You're not here by accident. You're here so the word of the Lord can be exalted in your mind above the lies of the adversary because God wants to rebuild his temple in your home. He wants to rebuild his temple in your marriage. He wants to rebuild what the devil destroyed. He wants to rebuild what the enemy stole from you. The enemy took so much from you. You let so much go through your sinfulness, through your idolatry. And now you're searching for what do I do? And the Lord is simply saying, turn to me. Turn to me. And lay the foundation of the temple again. And you hear what the word of the Lord said. He said. That just as Zerubbabel has laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. I'm going to tell you something. He that hath begun a good work in you. Is able. Right now, all across this house, lift up your hands unto the Lord of glory. Because God's getting ready to rebuild some things in your spirit. He's getting ready to build some things. He's going to rebuild some things in your home, in your mind. Things you thought you lost forever. Things you thought you would never get back. He's getting ready to restore a prayer life. It's going to be more glorious than the former. He's getting ready to restore your marriage. It's going to be more beautiful than it ever was. He's getting ready to restore your children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every hope that the devil dashed, God is getting ready to rebuild it, restore it, and the glory of this latter shall be greater than that of the former. Ha! Ha! Oh, and the former was beautiful. And yes, people would praise it. And yes, people would ooh and all over it. But you haven't seen anything yet. God is getting ready to do something more spectacular. Something more spectacular than you could ever imagine. Oh, Lord, I hear your voice. I feel the compulsion of your spirit. You are chosen of God. You know, God doesn't just randomly pick and choose. That's not the kind of choosing I'm talking about. He doesn't just randomly pick and choose. God calls. And those who believe, and those who hear, and those who follow, they're chosen. They're chosen. All across this house are chosen vessels of God. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe He chose you to rebuild prayer in your family? Do you believe He chose you to rebuild virtue, hallelujah, in your marriage? Do you believe He chose you?
Come on, somebody. If you believe it, grab a hold of this word and say, I'm never letting go. Come on, reach out with your hand and grab a hold of it. I want you to grip it right now. Grip it right now. Hallelujah. And I want you to hold on to it in the midnight hour. Hallelujah. I want you to hold on to it. When all hell is coming against you, grip it now. Get a hold of it. And don't let go. Come on, hold on to it. Hallelujah. When you're facing heavy winds, hold on to it. God's got a word. God's got a word for you. Come on, in the name of Jesus, let me come up beside you right now and speak into your ear and tell you, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. He's going to shake the heavens. He's going to shake the earth. He's going to overthrow the thrones of the kingdoms. Hallelujah, that are opposing you. God's going to do it. He's able. God's going to do it. Come on, lift up your hand and receive you the word of the Lord. Receive you the word of the Lord. Receive you the word of the Lord. Now listen. Now listen. You know what the devil's been telling you. For how long now? How long? How long has the devil had your ear? He told you so many lies, so much negativity. So much defeatism. Had you believing all hope was lost. I want you to lift up your voice in defiance of your adversary. And in praise to your God. And I want you to shout, he's able. I want you to sing it. I want you to shout it. Sing it. I want you to lift him up. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the devil is defeated. The devil is defeated. The devil is defeated. His words are defeated. His voice is defeated. Hallelujah. Just what he said. who believes he's able and needs him to move I want you to step out of your seat and come forward right now God told me this morning he's come to bring victory he has come to bring victory he has come to bring victory come on that's it in the name of Jesus come on that's it I want somebody who needed a word from the Lord today I want you to come forward and say God is able God is able come on that's it in the name of Jesus God is able he's able to do just what he said 